Welcome, everybody. We're back here with another episode of the Graw Pod. I'm Doug Graw, your host, here with my good friend and partner here, Gary Randall. Gary, welcome back. Hi, Doug. Hello, everybody. We're looking forward to today's conversation. Yes, we're recording this on December 3rd, so we'd be remiss if we didn't start it with Happy Holidays. We hope everybody is in the midst of enjoying a good, safe holiday, both professionally and personally, and drivers are getting home safe. We know this is the time of year where we start talking about inclement weather and some of that kind of stuff. So let's hope and pray that your fleets have a good, safe holiday and winter season. Gary, as a part of the holiday season and what all is coming up around here, when you were in the operations chair, you kind of would look at the calendar throughout the year. What was your view of December and January? I think it's an interesting time because I think it allows a look in the rearview mirror. Certainly December allows for that. It also lets a little bit of a look out the windshield as you get into January to see what's ahead. I think it's a time where, especially the last couple of weeks of December, things seem to slow down a little bit and it gives you some time to sit back and kind of review what were you happy with? What were you unhappy with? Were you measuring the right things, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into more of the details on that as we go through this conversation. But the first couple of weeks in January really allows you to kind of look forward and say, are we positioned where we want to be? Are we focused on the things we want to focus on? How do we get off to a good start in that Q1 as the new year comes in? Yeah, you think about the calendar. You and I have a lot of experience and a lot of our clients, their calendar leads to December and January being a little bit quieter and oftentimes July as well. No month, no week is ever quiet in trucking. I'm not going to say this time is quiet but maybe it's a little bit quieter than some other times of year. What you're getting at is take advantage, have a plan for that time. And I think a good friend and mentor of you and I would say, this is some sandals time. This is some time to think. He uses the sandals phrase to think back to the Greek and Roman senators roaming the streets in their sandals as they're pacing the big topics of the day. We encourage people, whenever your freight calendar, your business calendar allows a little bit of sandals time to take advantage of it and to have a plan. Gary, you said in December, you like to spend a little bit of time looking backwards. What are some of the things that you like to look backwards at? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to learn out of that time? I think it's a great time to review your staff. And by that, I mean your structure. Most companies have some type of ratio that they're trying to follow. So have you been able to hit on that ratio in terms of, for example, number of fleet managers versus number of drivers? Are your ratios correct? Because it's easy during the work year to kind of get out of line with that, depending upon additions or subtractions in the fleet or additions or subtractions in your staff. It's important to look back on that and make sure that if you believe in those ratios, that you're really following them and that you're on track with them. Another thing to look at is your metrics. You're going to have key metrics and you should be asking yourself, do those still make sense? Are they measuring what we need to measure? Do we have too many of them? That's usually the case. There's so many metrics that they don't all get paid attention to like they should. Really, our rule of thumb always was three to five things that you're trying to measure on. Let's be really good and solid with three to five things. Then the question can become toward the end of the year, if we've got those three to five things in place, are they the right things? And did they drive work the way we wanted it to go? Were we successful because we were paying attention to those things and we were measuring those things? 
Or do we need to change a couple of them up? And that's okay. I mean, sometimes one of the things that means is that you've had great success in solving a problem. So you feel like you've got workflow and process in place to deal with that. That may allow you to kind of take a little bit less focus on that and add something else to the list that you're trying to improve on. So I think it's a great time of year to say, do we have the people in place to do the work? And then what are we asking them to focus on and what kind of a return on investment are we getting on that focus? Yeah, I think you had a lot of good points there. And I want to go back to the people specifically, because you're right. You want to be looking at your ratios. We're in transportation. We'd love to be talking about the revenue side a lot and we should and we do, but we need to spend a lot of time talking about the cost side too. It's about the cost, but also the investment the investment you're making in your people and the investment you're making in your business to be successful. Do you have the right ratios in place? Are they correct? And if so, how are you doing compared to those ratios? And that can be how many drivers do I want per dispatcher or fleet manager? How many loads or customers am I okay with my customer service team handling? It's important to take a look at that stuff. And then also, if you kind of figure, okay, I think I'm right on the number of seats in each area. I think I'm pretty good there. Maybe a switch here or there, but I think I'm pretty good. But also then you start to think, do I have the right people in those seats? When you're looking at, is it the right person? It's not just capability, but it's also willingness and kind of mental approach and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's good this time of year to think to yourself, maybe I should move some seats around and give some people some fresh challenges, some fresh looks. Have you had success? Is that something that you believed in and have utilized in your past? First answer to your question is yes. We did utilize that technique and we had success with it. I think it's an opportunity for your staff not to get stale. I think it's an opportunity through cross-training to expose them to other sides of the operation. One of the concerns that a lot of carriers have is they, well, I keep hearing about I have to have a path for my staff, but I'm a small size carrier. So really, what kind of path do I have? they're an operations person. Well, you may be constricted a little bit by the size and the opportunities that you have within your company, but there's always room for the cross training. There's always room for people to learn new skills, new techniques that will help to keep them invigorated in their job versus getting stale and deciding, well, there's really nowhere to go at this organization. You don't have to be a large corporation, have a six-step process for every employee, but you have to challenge them and keep them fresh. And one of the ways you can do that is by offering them the opportunity to learn new things, take on new challenges. Even in the smallest of operations, there's places and things that you can take advantage of in order to do that. We had a guest on one of our early podcast episodes, Maggie. Maggie, a longtime HR professional, done a lot of great work, and she was a big proponent of you don't have to have these big, robust career development plans to take care of your employees and to treat them well and to challenge them and so on. She said exactly what you just said, Gary, which is you can simply challenge them with new tasks. You can include them on different projects. You can cross-train them with other functions. That mental stimulation for a lot of people, that's what they want. Like, hey, just engage me, challenge me, help me get better better. It's not so much about titles. Sometimes it's about titles and that kind of stuff. I don't want to say that's never important, but a lot of times it's just that give me something new to tackle and I'll kind of get reinvigorated a little bit and we'll move the business and make it a little bit better. I think it's important to remember too, that sometimes as a manager or as an owner, you can look at a person and say, he or she is really good at that job. I don't want to move them. Why would I move them? They're fantastic doing what they're doing. We're getting great results from that. 
Well, the company or the management group may feel good about that. The employee probably doesn't. At least at some point, they won't. At some point, they'll start to feel stale and coming to work will be a boring task for them. And that's when you run the risk of losing your people. I think Maggie was right. And I think we both agree that it's not that you have to have this promotional track that can be followed to the T. It's offering people an opportunity to do some things different and to challenge them and to develop. And then think about the benefit that means for your operation. You're creating depth. When you inadvertently have that person that does leave for a different job or they won the lottery on Saturday night, you're not sitting around looking at each other trying to figure out who's going to do that work because you've built some depth. So December is a great time to be able to sit down and reflect on where your staff's at. What have you done well with them this year? What could you have done better? What do you need to do better as you go into the first part of the new year? Because it's easy for people to get caught up in managing the business and looking at the bottom line and not really thinking about how they got there. The how they got there is your people and you have to keep your people challenged. You have to keep them fresh. And that's how they're going to continue to produce great results for you. So speaking of challenges and results and so on, you touched on it. December, great time to look. You hopefully have been looking throughout the year, obviously, at your metrics and how you've been doing. It's not like you're turning them open for the first time in December, but just maybe the day has slowed down just a tick or two that allows you to spend a little bit more time on those metrics and not just say, oh, the metric is good or the metric is bad. But why is the metric good or bad? And is it the right metric? Yeah, that's right. Are you measuring the right thing? Let's take the first example of, yes, we are. We're measuring the right thing. We feel confident in that. What also gives you an opportunity to look back and compare year over year? If you're measuring the right thing, are you making progress with that? Have you kind of stalled out and you're stale with it? Or worst case scenario, are you declining on that measurement? And then gives you an opportunity to think about things you could do to help get that result a little bit better. As well as looking back and reviewing and comparing it year over year, it really does give you the opportunity to look and say, should I be measuring something different? Because the business changes. The business has definitely changed. We've worked with one customer this year that I can think of where they've had a large growth in their company drivers and they've had some shrinkage in their contractor drivers. Significant differences about how you manage those two types of fleets. So if you see some things that are changing within your organization, make sure that the metrics that you're using are reflective of those changes and make sense based on the new path that you're going down. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that all leads to you've been doing some thoughts on your metrics. You've been doing thoughts on your people. End of year is a good time for some recognition. Now, this is different from reviews and pay. That's different. What we're talking about is in transportation, what do you see a lot of trucking companies doing? They're doing driver of the year. They're doing owner operator of the year. They're doing dispatcher of the year and on down the line and a variety of different awards. What were some of your philosophies on those awards? How you granted them? What do you like to see? What don't you like to see on some of that kind of recognition? I think what we tried to do was we tried to have the manager of that position nominate his or her top two or three. So if a manager was managing the customer service group, who are the top two or three customer service representatives that we have and why? What are the metric results that support them being nominated? 
But then it gets a little bit more into some conversation. You're going to probably find that a couple of them are really good performers on the metrics, but there's one that stands out above the rest because that one is always there to help the person who's a little bit behind in their work for the day. Or they're always there first thing in the morning because they know on that particular day, that customer has something that they want to get handled right away first thing. So it's those that kind of go above and beyond. It kind of tips in their direction in terms of the award. I will say this, whether we're talking about an employee award like fleet manager of the year, customer service person of the year, or whether we're talking about a driver of the year, a contractor of the year award, one of the things that we've learned over the years is how important the timeliness of that is. As you get through December and you can look at your final numbers, one of the things that's really important is to get that recognition out in a timely fashion. If you're going to recognize a fleet manager of the year, driver of the year, contractor of the year, customer service person of the year, Let's make sure that we've got that decision in place by the end of the year and that recognition happens in January. Because too often what you see is that people, companies wait so long to recognize their folks from the previous year, it really starts to lack meaning. When you're reading one of the trade articles and it talks about a driver of the year from the previous year and you're reading that in April, that really has kind of lost its luster at that point. So it's important to get that stuff done right. Make sure you've got a process in place as far as what you're going to measure on and recognize the people that you should recognize. But timeliness is just as important as anything else in that. Get that done quickly in Q1. And I'm a believer in specifically any of those awards. Find a blend of personalization and company tradition, meaning there could be some parts of it that are your company tradition. Maybe it's always a plaque or it's always a watch or whatever type of thing. It's always a lunch with the chairman, whatever. But also if that person has preferences for certain types of recognition, see if you can bend a little bit to their stuff because those awards, again, we're all here to get paid. None of us are here to do things for free. So we care about getting paid. We care about our peers and our customers and our bosses all valuing us as people and valuing our work. Part of that value is recognition. In transportation, we talk all the time about the importance of drivers and the importance of our dispatchers and our customer service people. When we give them these awards, let's make it the big deal that we say it is. And I think that point you made about sometimes seeing the award announced in April kind of says that maybe it actually isn't that important. It's just a title. It's really not much to it. I'm a believer in if you're going to have a driver of the year program, not saying everybody has to have one, but if you choose to go down that path, make it a big deal. Do it right. Do it well and make sure the driver knows that that is special. Absolutely. And it's nice if, if you have a headquarters or a main terminal, it's nice to be able to have a picture of that person who won that award so that as they come into work every day, they're able to see themselves, that other people that work there know that, hey, Joe was the fleet manager of the year two years ago. It creates that sense of recognition within the company, whether it's headquarters or terminal, you can do that because everybody works somewhere. Even the folks that are working from home today are probably assigned somewhere within the company. You can take advantage of that. And then I think the other thing to help make it a big deal to ensure that is you involve the family when you can. 
when it comes time for that recognition, it's awfully nice if the spouse can be there to see that recognition happen. And what I think is important, something you touched on earlier on is when you do have those awards, any of that type of recognition, make sure it's got a very healthy, objective set of criteria and not all subjective. Because what can happen, I can tell you if I work at a big law firm and somebody tells me I'm the lawyer of the year, I'm probably going to walk with my back a little bit straighter and I might turn into a little bit of a jerk. I probably already am a little bit of a jerk, but maybe a little bit more of a jerk if I get that recognition. We all know that sometimes that stuff can go the other way, but if you make that criteria much more objective, then that polices that pretty well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, but I think this is not an uncommon phenomenon. I think that is true. But I think the measurements, as you talk about, the objective side of it can clearly show who produced the most. I also don't think there's anything wrong with having a little bit of subjectivity to it, but maybe an 80-20 rule. 80% of it's based on objective measurements, 20% of it's based on a recommendation or something more subjective. Let's talk a little bit more about January. December is a lot of time about it. You might get a few hours, even day or two in that month to kind of look backwards a little bit and think about what you can do better going forward. But what can you do in January? You might sneak out another couple of days of a little bit lighter work. What can you do with January? The 12 months in front of you seems like a long time, but I think we all know and would agree that 12 months goes fast. So one of the things we talked about in January, we were fortunate enough to have an experienced veteran staff. A lot of benefits to that in terms of the organization. But one of the things that's a challenge because of that is those people have a lot of vacation time or personal leave time built up. Oftentimes what you see, especially in truckload operations, is people just don't use their vacation time throughout the year. They hang on to it and hang on to it and hang on to it. The company's busy, hopefully. They're busy, hopefully. So in a way, you kind of look at it and say, well, they're here getting the work done. What's the problem? The the problem occurs when you get to about the middle of Q3 and you realize that half of your staff hasn't taken a vacation yet this year. And you realize that there's going to be some natural time off coming up with the holidays in November and December. And you start to ask yourself, how are you going to squeeze all that in? It becomes very, very difficult and it becomes disruptive to the business if you find yourself in that position. Or it becomes an expense for the company where the company says, don't take your vacation. I'm going to pay you some kind of bonus for not taking it. Or the company says, we'll let you carry it over, in which case it can become a record keeping issue, timely, costly. So it's important to get that time spread out. And it's important to be talking with your managers and in some cases be talking even with individual people because a lot of times the folks that wait till the last minute to take their vacation are repeat offenders if you let them be. So it's important to get in front of those managers, get in front of those folks that have had trouble with that in the past. And let's get some of this time scheduled so that we can mediate the problems that are going to happen if we don't do that. That's one of the things you can look at in January that I think a lot of times people don't think about. I mean, people are thinking about the right things. They're thinking about goals and they're thinking about what they want to accomplish during the year. But you also have to think about some staffing issues like that because it can become a problem if you don't address it. And again, we're recording this in the early part of December. I'm sure our listeners are experiencing that pain right now. Remember that pain in January and try to be a little bit proactive about it. You also talked about getting in front of people. And I think that also means reaching across departments a little bit to get in front of folks and ensuring there's alignment. We can't know what everybody's planning process is and budgeting and strategic planning, all that good stuff. 
But somewhere along the line, hopefully as a unit leader, division leader, business leader, whatever your role is, hopefully at some point in time, you're reaching out and spending time with your peers and other departments to make sure whatever goals they have and whatever goals you have are aligned and don't fight each other. What can you tell us about the importance or how you went about aligning yourself in operations with recruiting, with sales, and so on? Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. It seems like historically in trucking, there's kind of been four departments that can kind of go off on their own if you don't watch out. One of them is operations. One of them is sales. One of them is recruiting. The other one is safety. I think what we've seen as an industry recently over the last five years, for sure, five to 10 years, is we've seen more and more joined efforts between safety and operations. You hear the term operationally based safety programs. In the big picture of things, that's a relatively new idea for the trucking industry. One that I think I certainly support, Doug, I think you do as well. But that idea that those two groups are working closely together and understanding the goals of each other and trying to support the goals, I feel like as an industry, we're making pretty good progress on that. The natural rub in truckload is between sales and operations. That's a challenge to make sure that there's enough communication between those two groups so that operations can understand what the thought process is currently in the sales group. Who are the customers that they're going to be going after? What kind of changes will that mean to the freight network? It's really important for those two groups to be working together on that. In all of these relationships, it should never be one department telling the other. It should be one department using the other as a resource. Sales, for instance, saying, we think we need to tweak the network in this area because it's going to bring us a better overall rate. Okay, well, what does that mean for operations? Do we have drivers domiciled in that area? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? This lane that you're proposing to either increase or add, is it an increase or is it an addition? Is the network actually changing? So they've got to get together on those types of things. You have to collaborate. And that has to start at the highest levels of management between all these groups. When it comes to recruiting, how does the recruiting group understand the freight network so that they understand where they need to try to recruit the drivers from so that the operations people can be successful in providing good service and still getting the drivers home on a regular basis? Those four groups, operations, safety, sales, and recruiting are all intertwined and they've got to be working together so that it's one picture in terms of what they're trying to accomplish versus four different looks at the business. You're right. And one of the things you mentioned, it starts at the top and then having those conversations. And you're right, because there has to be buy-in at that level and everybody has to be on the same page. But then what is one of the hardest things for any organization in any industry of any size to do, communicate, to cascade that message down. If you as the ops leader and your peer leader in sales have a great meeting and you're all on the same page of what you need to do, one of the hardest things to do is, okay, now how is the sales team and how is the operations team going to get the same message so that they're on the same page and people aren't leaving with different interpretations of what the alignment is and so on. Having that consistency, and I would tell you, I don't think there's necessarily any magic solution to it. It's not so much about over-communicate, because you can. 
You can send out too many emails and so on, but it's about making sure your message is very clear, that everybody's on board with it, and that you are going to be repetitive with it, not just, hey, I'm going to tell you the next three weeks we meet, I'm going to tell you this message, is that you keep coming back to it throughout the year and you remain consistent. If you need to pivot, then pivot, but make sure you communicate that pivot to everybody. And I think especially the folks at the top have to be open-minded and self-confident enough that they let those other leaders into their meeting or that they hold joint meetings. We had some very good luck with joint meetings between sales and operations. So the, the sales guys were hearing the same message that the operations folks were hearing and both sales and operations were hearing from the leader of the other group. The sales leader would speak toward the ops folks about certain things. The ops leader would speak toward the sales folks about certain things. And it's pretty hard for anyone to get the wrong impression, for anyone to get the impression that, hey, these two leaders are at odds with each other if you're conducting a meeting like that in front of everyone. Obviously, whether it's in person or Zoom, you can accomplish those same things. You're exactly right. We've covered a lot of good stuff today. I think if I can kind of summarize the takeaway I have from this conversation, and I welcome yours as well, Gary, is December and January or whatever time of year your business calendar works in our background and a lot of our clients, December, January tend to be maybe just a tick slower. So there's a little bit more time to put on those sandals and think about the business, to think about your teams and figure out how are we going to be better to step away from that day to day and make sure you utilize that sandals time effectively with a little bit going backwards. What are some pain we had this year? What are some good things we had this year that we either want to change or carry on into January? And then also a lot of forward looking, what are we going to do to improve these metrics or whatever the case may be? It's really easy to take those last couple of weeks in December and put your feet up on the desk and try to just take a big breath. That's going to be everyone's temptation because they've worked hard all year long. It's time for a rest, but it's time well managed and it's time well used if you can avoid doing that and if you can take the time to talk over these things that we talked about today. That's exactly right. Well, thank you, Gary. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a lot of good takeaways as we sit here at the beginning of December and for people to take advantage of December and January. We wish everybody happy holidays and be safe out there. Hope for safety as well so that your drivers are getting home. Thank you, everyone. And until next time, be safe.